Happy Aloha Friday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of My Ties at Sunset. I'm Ty. Aloha, I'm Mai. Happy Aloha Friday. I set the intention that we are going to have a really great time today, tell a lot of really good stories, share a lot of positivity. Yeah, and I think it's been really great uh, to take a little time off to kind of focus on gathering some stories, getting some stories ready, especially since we are coming upon the month of October, which is one of the best months in the year, in my opinion, (laughs) not only because my birthday falls within it, Ren Fair starts and there's Halloween, but it's just, you know, that's when the, like the tables turn. It kicks off the season. It absolutely does. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Um, yep. Valentine's Day, and then it kind of wanes off into summer. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know any like real significant holidays besides, yeah, like schools out for the summer sort of vibe. But I don't know any other like major holidays that fall. Well, Fourth of July in the middle, but that's very summer fun. Yeah, and that's like only one day. I feel like once thanks once like November hits and there's Christmas music on the radio, like I'm done. You're I'm done. done for two months. You're like, I'm yeah. in the holiday season. <laughs> yep. Cutes and boots. It's called the cutes and boots season, everyone. And I'm gonna I'm gonna coin that term forever for I the was, rest of my life. I was watching something. Um I think it was like a a compilation piece on that show HBO does it. It's a news show with John Oliver. Anyway. So then there there's these sayings that apparently they say on like the mainland. Um it's fall, it's falls, y'all. Y'all, falls, y'all. It's falls, y'all. It's fall, y'all. Yeah, it's like a saying. No, it's fall, y'all. That's what <laughs> I I'm totally to struggled with that. I don't know why. <laughs> I couldn't. Because you're, because you're Hawaiian. You're not it's, like from the south. Say it. It's fall, y'all. It's fall, y'all. <laughs> there you go. I totally See, did it. I totally feel like that was horrid. That was totally horrible. No, but you needed to, like, phonetically say it. It's foul, y'all. It's foul. I have to do it with a southern accent. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm going to try to channel one. Whatever you think is a southern accent, because I don't know if it's going to come out that way. But go ahead. Let me just try it one more time, okay? If it's really terrible, I will edit this out, and nobody has to be tortured. Okay. No, I think you should leave it in, because, first of all, you... You try to scapegoat it by saying you were going to edit it out. No, leave that shit in. We want to hear it. Okay, Go, ready? do it. It's fall, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I have never. That was so good. I'm have, impressed. I've never heard that saying before. So I thought it was really funny that it's like really popular across our country. Yeah. Well, <laughs> although we don't really have. I still think the y'all thing, the y'all thing is still y'all. like our thing. But yeah, I don't uh, have a whole lot of seasons that are recognizable in Hawaii. Um, it is starting to get cooler, though. Um, but it's been raining. Oh, I your friend who said, what is, what a Hawaiian people, what do people in Hawaii shop for? I went shopping this weekend for paint. Oh, so fun. Where did you end up going? I went to Home Depot to go right. buy some exterior house paint for a project. And what color did you tra- choose? Black. Just like like actual black or was it like a different name for it because there's like all these exotic names for paint no this one literally just one one word black because that's funny i'm painting this like it's an accent piece and my whole house even though it's just very modern contemporary whatever i have this gazebo thing that i built and it's very japanese looking so it can only be painted black it just doesn't work in any other color 
Dude, it could have been red. No, it could have been white, but then it would have just could have been white. It would have been. It would have looked so lame. It's an accent piece. It looks black. It looks gorgeous in black, and I'm really excited because okay. it's finally getting painted. Wasn't part of it like painted black? Yeah, but then um, I I got tired and it started to rain a lot, so <laughs> I stopped for like years. Oh so I actually had to pay somebody to come and do it for me. He's a family friend, so he's he's doing it for like the most affordable price. So I'm really really grateful. He's a pr- yeah, professional nice. contractor. It's always good to have professional cro- contractors as a family friend. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I get a lot of my stuff fixed because my brother knows people. Mm-hmm. 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 Realtors know when I, that was when I got into real estate and you have to deal with a lot of homeowners and you need to get things fixed before a transaction, you know, before closing realtors yeah. all talk some talk amongst themselves. And we all know who the good contractors are, good painters are anything that you need to get done. A realtor knows. <laughs> At least somebody who's a realtor knows. been doing it long enough. Yeah. They're the ones who know who can do what. I've worked with lots of contractors being a realtor. My previous contractor, I had one that um, my previous for painting, uh, he only wanted to work with Benjamin Moore paints, which also wow. very expensive. But I have to admit yep. their pigments are amazing. And as an artist, there is a little tip I will share. So if you're doing like a um, big mural project or something like that, paint is just so expensive. But Benjamin Moore sell, will sell you sample size little containers and they're Mm -hmm. I think they were they were very reasonably priced and I (laughs) bought like 10 different colors and it was the happiest day of my life for a painting project (laughs) to come home with 10 little sample size which is probably equivalent to like four tubes of paint and one tube of paint is like ten dollars wow so yeah I see a lot of I see a lot of people getting samples from Home Depot and Lowe's when I go there. So I think they're working on like their baby projects and they're not really. Yeah. Because I mean, a sa- sample like can is only like five bucks. Yeah. And so I, I want a good to like, get like a solid ocean blue. Y- oh, fallow. Fallow blue is the most beautiful blue. It's my favorite color. You need to send it to me. You need to send me the number. <laughs> I need to know what it is. Yes. Uh, I'll send I'll show a picture on on uh, somewhere. But my favorite brand and my favorite color. Okay. It's absolutely my favorite. You see um, but I, I just love I love paint. There's something about oil based paints. Like all of my paintings that I've done on canvas with oil, they change. Mm-hmm. They literally change over time. And it's absolutely fascinating to just watch it, you know, congeal or melt or whatever it's doing. It's just it looks hmm. like it's alive for several years. It's very interesting. The water-based paints, they, the acrylics, they dry really fast, which, and they're, the colors sorry, are so bright. Me. I really, I have so much fun you with You are that. really like in it to win it. I'm you so sorry. I'm so sorry. I could like talk about paint forever, which is kind of sad. <laughs> so funny. Okay. I have a funny thing. So today I was helping my painter family friend, um, my Hanai brother to put down tarps. And um, I was walking along because it's outside and I was putting tarps down outside and I fell down. (laughs) No, I fell down and it was I kind of it was on grass and there was a hole there and the grass was so fluffy looking and it looked like it was all level. But it was just a section of really tall grass and I stepped into it with my slipper and I literally slipped into the hole with one foot and I kind of did like this weird 
awkward splits I came down it was and he was watching me and I could see the horror on his face like oh my god what do I, I do <laughs> and he's you know nothing all humans there's nothing you can our do. first reaction is are, are you okay <laughs> and I'm like yes but <laughs> but I'm sad <laughs> but I'm sad I fell in a hole <laughs> <laughs> so I go and tell my children because one of them comes downstairs and I still and I start sad. I fell down and I hurt myself. I have an owie on my knee. And he leaned over, looked at my knee, goes, you're not bleeding. You're fine. So I'm like, wow, no sympathy. So I go and I None. I'm going to go tell my mom. <laughs> so <laughs> she'll care. So I walk over and tell my mom. And this is what she does. Ha! <laughs> she just laughed. <laughs> <laughs> She's oh, like, you, your mom has like no sympathy for you. You either. fell in a hole. Why didn't you see it? Oh, and then I just got. Why is there a hole there? You need to fix that. <laughs> there was there was no sympathy. It went the way. It's your fault. The wrong Everything way. Everything is your fault. I know. It will always be your fault. Period. <laughs> like no matter what you do, it is your fault. Uh, no love. No love. No love. None. None whatsoever. I That's so funny. Who am I? Hmm. Okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Okay. So I went to the Polly Lookout to film a video for this episode. Um, and I learned some things. Okay. So the Polly Lookout, it is a state park and the parking fees have gone up. So it used to be like $3. Oh. Now it's yeah. 7 Damn. And it, okay. So online it says, um, that Hawaii residents don't have to pay state park fees. So I go up to the, the, so there's a machine and you just pay the machine, but there is nothing on the machine that says, can I type in my Hawaii driver's license or something? And so I give up and I go and I record my thing. And then I call my HPD person, Honolulu police department, police officer, uh, and um, I asked him and I said, hey, how do I prove that I'm a Hawaii resident and don't have to pay at the Polly Lookout? And he goes, oh, uh, I think you still have to pay there. And I said, but online it says Hawaii residents don't have to pay. And he goes, I don't know. So oh, shit. HPD, yeah. <laughs> some officers may know and some may not. And it's going to really suck if you get a tow, if you get your car towed for that. It's better to just pay it. Just pay it. But just pay it. They've been charging for the parking for years. I want to say 10, 15 years already. They make yeah. a lot of revenue from the parking. And I don't know what that money is going towards. But the drive that up to the Pully Lookout, the parking lot itself, it is so, so many potholes. Yeah, I mean, it's, I know. it's like I need an off-roading vehicle. Now, granted, mostly tourists go up there and they're in rental cars. They don't care. Um, but, you know, there was actually a lot of local people who were there when I was filming. A lot of local people just like to go up there and do selfies when their hair gets all standing up on end. And it's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But it was spooky. It's a beautiful spot. That day. Um, it was beautiful, as always. But. Um, it started to rain and it's really interesting to see it gets when, misty right when you're that close up the mountain 
and you see the rain coming up and then it goes up and over the mountain to see the rain going up you know it's it's coming down oh. and going up and over it's it is kind of interesting have you seen like those uh videos of people driving teslas and they have like uh, people sensors you know no um, have you ever seen that no like the tesla has like the ability to like show kind of like a figure if there's like a pedestrian near your car oh or whatever so they've been driving them through cemeteries and people will pop up on there because it's spirits yeah right like bumping into the car so i'm wondering if you drive it up drive a tesla late at night up the poly uh-huh. if you would in that poly lookout on the way yeah. to poly lookout if there would be spirits that bump your car <laughs> i don't want to do that <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to do that but it's something it is something you could try you know so i mean yeah. It would be interesting if you have a Tesla or a friend who has a Tesla, you could try it. That would be really cool, though. I bet that video would go viral real quick. Yeah. See, I try not spooky, to go though. to places that are haunted um, just because I don't know when I might see them. I don't know how it's going to freak me yeah. out. I feel like I've been able to turn it off inadvertently. I don't exactly know how I turned it off or if I have any control or not. I think it might be more of luck and the kind of encounters that I've had. Sometimes the people are just very visible and they remember their body so strongly that they become visible. All right. So haunted stories was super fun. Last podcast. (laughs) It's, it's been two weeks. I'm so ready to do another one. Are you ready to do another one? Go for it. Okay. Yeah, we can talk about it. So, um, I have right now, (laughs) I have a ghost that's in my bedroom. I have this beautiful armoire that my grandfather bought. And for a while, I thought it was him. I cannot, I don't always see who's haunting or connect with them, but they tap and they tap on the inside of the armoire. Like there's a certain noise that only it makes. Um, It's got a wonky door. And so I tried, I actually braced it with these large canvases. I pushed it against so that it could not even open the door, but I still hear the sound of the door and it doesn't happen every single night because sometimes I just, I literally just say, please don't, please don't do it. I really need to sleep. And every time it happens in the middle of the quiet night, then all of a sudden I, my, you can't help but wake up and feel startled and your heart is racing. So I'm just really grateful when it doesn't do it. But I've talked to the armoire many times thinking that it's a haunted object um, and no luck. Um, I thought it might have even been one of my grandfathers, one who I know was still lingering. I actually saw him at, um, we had this this dinner party. My step-grandmother came with uh, her son and daughter to Hawaii and um, my grandfather had already passed and all of a sudden he's at the dinner table amongst all the family sitting in his wheelchair. He talked to me and he told me the story. Um, and then I relayed that story to other family members. We were talking about um, genealogy and stuff that they didn't know. And I assumed that it was common knowledge, but they're like, no. And I said, well, my grandfather told me, even though he told me after he was dead. But <laughs> I went to my uncle's house and my step-grandmother's house in California. And then I came across this photo that they had of him in a wheelchair with the blanket. And I was like, hey, grandpa was there. This is what he was wearing. He looked just like this. And they're like, no, mm-hmm. he had he had passed already. He had passed like the year before. And I was like, what? 
Oh my God. That's, that's he crazy. was totally there, but he was so, there was a lot of people talking and to get attention, he was pounding on the table so loud. And I'm like, can't you talk to somebody else? <laughs> so irritated. It's <laughs> like, you know, you weren't even around when I was growing up. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. So I actually thought it was him because I was talking about him. I had just come back from that trip. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was him. So I'm but I'm still not getting the feeling that it's him. So I don't know if the armoire came with its own ghost. Um, but it's really nice and I can't move it out of my bedroom because it holds so much of my stuff. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. I get it. Really pretty. I get it. I'm still in the process of moving half my life. So, mm-hmm. you know. Well, that's kind of scary, but hopefully your grandfather just like leaves you alone for a little bit. It doesn't sound like he really wants to. <laughs> yeah, they just. I, is it like a soft tap or what? Can you demonstrate the tap? Uh, I'll put a sound effect, but it's really just. Ooh, I don't know if I would like that. It's line. just it's just a knocking from the armoire, but the armoire echoes because it's kind of hollow on the ins- it's hollow on the inside, and it only has like little mm-hmm. things. It's not like it has. Cl- there's no clothes in there. No, nothing soft. So it's just very echoey. So it's very distinct in the middle of the night, you know, when you're in a deep sleep and all of a sudden you hear this tap, tap and you eyes, your eyes pop open and you're like, damn it. No, thanks. I've had some really no thanks. funny ghost experiences, though. I don't know why they like to show up in the middle of the night, but this one funny, funny guy funny ghost and I will never forget him he walked um, like through my door he walked across the foot of my bed and um, he was dressed like he was from the 70s he had a striped shirt he had blue bell bottom jeans and he had like one of those French hats I forgot what they're called like a a beret. a beret, but he also had like this very large afro, so it just made this like flat spot on one area. And he was looking at me, and I was looking at him, and <laughs> he kept walking across my bed. And then all of a sudden, he started to go down, like there was a if there were a staircase, you know, like that joke, like you know, you start bending down your knees to go down, like down a staircase. Um, and I'm on the second floor. There's no staircase leading to the exterior windows where he was walking towards from my bedroom door across my room to the exterior windows. But he started to go down and all of a sudden his eyes got so big, like he was scared. Like, why is he going downstairs? And then (laughs) he just disappeared. And I remember being worried for him. (laughs) Like, I don't know where he went. There's no staircase there. That's so scary, Mai. Like, why do you have all these creepy people in your bedroom? I don't know. Okay, so there is an empty lot. Remember, we used to walk your dogs to the empty lot. Yeah. Okay, so I have this friend who he sees things. Like, it doesn't matter. He sees them all the time. And I don't always see through the veil, as it's called, all the time. Only sometimes. I'll go in and out of spurts where I'll see a lot of them or I'll just see nothing for a while. He told me that it's like that empty lot is a gathering place. And so a lot of spirit activity just kind of accumulates there. So he says they're people. They're wandering around. Yeah, that's a hot prime property and it's just grass. Yeah. Does that have a tree on it? I don't remember. There was a tree. There's trees along it on both sides. The neighboring houses have very large trees. Mm. 
very large kind of spooky trees. Um, yeah, like are, they're not weeping willows, right? And it gets really no, they're like banyan, not banyan, banyan trees. monkey pot. They're monkey pot. Monkey pot. Yeah, those are monkey pot trees. Yeah. They're huge. They're like I like I like monkey pot trees. They're at least thirty feet tall. They're huge. That's huge. Yeah. There's that one big one down in Honolulu, like near the uh Wanna Surf Rider. That's a banyan. And the outrigger. Yeah, those are those are the one in old the, trees. In the international marketplace is a banyan tree too. I th- or monkey pot. Yeah. I think the um banyan that's Wanna Surf Rider. I think that one is yeah. As old as the monarchy, like when the monarchy was there. Oh, they planted it. I think it was, I th- I don't know who planted it, but I think that property where the monastery fighter is where Lily, um, Queen Lily Uokalani um, resided. Like, I think her house was near there or something. And I think that was a tree that was actually that, on her property. I thought that was her house. I think it might have been. It was somebody's palace, mm-hmm. sort of. And there used to be a stream that used to exist, but the stream's gone. They actually took it out. That's too bad. Such history. There, you know? There's a hula that I had learned, and it was about that stream that was by that by her property really? over there in Waikiki. It's gone. So it's sad because wow. the oral tradition of the hula still exists. But when you go and look for this landmark, it's gone. Do you think the, uh, what is it, the British took it away? Um, I think that development in Waikiki to build hotels took it away. Well, that'll do it too. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's too bad. Do you have any, any scary stories? Cause I didn't even tell my, uh, my good one yet. That was just personal um, experience. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you a little story that I pulled up for Halloween special. So living in Texas, I thought it was important to kind of like look for a really good ghost story, kind of talk about, you know, some of the things that people see and there's a lot of like folklore around texas and i mean there's lots of battlefields here there's lots the alamo is like one of the most haunted places too you know just having all those souls like lose their lives but then in a way they fought for what they believed in so it's it's a powerful story but um one of the stories i did really enjoy was uh it's called the white lady of rio frio and it's a story about Marie, Maria Jimenez. And so in the early 1900s, she actually lived with her sister and her brother-in-law on a ranch. And she was always like the caretaker. She was looking after a lot of um, her nieces and nephews. And as she grew older, you know, she became real. She was really beautiful. You know, a lot of a lot of women, you know, they grow into themselves. And so she was like one of those very beautiful, the local beauty, and um, her sister and brother-in-law knew it, but she actually caught the eye of um, a local gentleman named Anselmo, and they were very much in love, and they were planning to get married and like grow, uh, a fa- like grow together and have a family. Well, unfortunately, her brother-in-law, Gregorio started to fall in love with her because of her looks and like how young she was and younger than the sister and all these things. And she, she actually like one day was by the river and her brother-in-law like professed his profound love for her and she rejected him. And it's like the typical story of a lover scorned will always come back in some kind of vengeful way. And so unfortunately he shot her and with 
with that, he was like, if I can't have you, nobody will have you. And so he went into hiding. And the next day, a lot of people found out that she passed away and she was killed. And the entire town was like heartbroken. They adorned, they came all together. They adorned Maria's body with like flowers. They dressed her in her sister's wedding dress because that was her dream was to be with Anselmo and like, you know, have kids, get married, all the things. And so when Gregorio finally was captured and everything, he was tried, convicted, thrown in prison. And it's really kind of sad because like the sister, you know, lost her husband and the sister, you know, Maria. And so, but one of the things about the white lady of Rio Frio or Maria is that instead of her being a spirit that just kind of stays there and is sad and like doesn't help in any way or make an impact she actually does help people Mm -hmm. so there's lots of stories of her um taking care of kids lost children um she's been a guide to help them go back home so she will appear to children Uh like if they're by the river and they get they start to drown or they get lost and they're scared she will come and take them home and rescue them in some way. So she um, will comfort mostly children mm-hmm. or lost souls. Like she'll come over and like put her arms around them and hold them and protect them from harm. And there's been stories that like she will come out at night and like just walk around and she will whisper in people's ears, carrying mess, like giving positive messages and everything. And she just waits. She waits by the river for her lover to return and she's still waiting for Anselmo which I think is really beautiful like she was waiting for him by the river before she died so that they could run away together Mm. I'm just I just wanted to like share that like because we were just talking about how not all ghosts are like negative or bad they you know they have something tragic happen to them and that's usually why they end up getting stuck Mm -hmm. But for her, you know, she's there. So they, a lot of people have claimed to see her roaming the canyon, mm-hmm. her spirit just sitting by the river. And, you know, and I think having all these stories, like there's somebody there to protect them and they're looking out for them. So people are not afraid. And I think that we shouldn't, as like, you know, a spiritual community, be afraid of every spirit because sometimes they're just there with a kind heart and a good, and they're a good they were a good person and they still are a good spirit. So yeah, that's my story with that. And I just wanted to give it something uplifting because October is not all about freaky things. Like I've had, I think, you know, Oh, I will tell you. So I went to school in, um, when I went to school in Virginia, that's, it's very haunted, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have a lot of like old memories of battles, you know, soldiers, things like that. Mm-hmm. But one of the um, libraries that was on the campus. So I guess one of the girls was died by suicide, one of the students. Yeah. And so the library at night, um, I tended, I tend, when I was going to school, I tend to not like travel alone too much at night. Because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, haunted campus, kind of creepy. There's creepy people everywhere. But my friends and I were sitting one time in the library and we were upstairs. So upstairs is like super haunted. You have music practice rooms, quiet rooms, whatever. And we're sitting in the middle of the library and I'm hearing like books fall. I'm like, who's this bitch over here? Like dropping books, right? Like how annoying. Mm -hmm. So we're just hearing like this, 
you know, like on the ground. And I'm like, God, okay. So I told, I told my friend, I was like, okay, this is really annoying. Yeah. Like I can't study and it's probably like 11 o'clock at night and the, the library's open 24 seven. So I was like, I'm really annoyed. Mm-hmm. So being the curious folk that we are, we get up and we're just like, okay, stop dropping the damn books. And then we hear like, and I'm like, all right, what the hell is that? Uh-huh. And so armed with like a pen. <laughs> That's all you had. <laughs> and I had a pen and I had like another book in hand. Uh-huh. I'm like, all right, let me go see who this is because it's really annoying. I look over a couple rows over and there's like a couple books scattered on the ground. Yeah. Like, okay. Maybe just somebody like, you know, was sitting on the ground, you know, like opening books, yeah. whatever, reading. I'm like, okay, fine. Whatever. It's not my job to pick up the books. So my friend's like, oh, I'm going to go pick them up because there's nobody here. So she goes to pick them up, puts them back on the shelf. And I'm like wandering and like being stupid. And I hear this. Stop dropping the damn books. You know, like I said it out loud. I was like, stop, like, stop making a mess. Like, whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look over like to, and I thought it was my friend. Like she dropped a book. Like she's trying to put it back on the shelf. And yeah. She dropped it. My friend's not there anymore. What? She left you? No, she was like two aisles over. Okay. Looking at a book. Cause she had already put the books up. Yeah. And I looked over back into the original aisle and the books were on the floor again. <laughs> okay. And then I was like, hey Sarah, where are you? And she's like, Oh, I'm over here. I'm like, Did you put those books back? She's like, Yeah. Hell no. Booked it. <laughs> I left my friend. I grabbed my bag. I said, we got to get the hell out of here. She's like, what's wrong? And I go, all the books are on the floor. She's like, we're out. And like, we were like, ah, like running away. And like, there are people in the library. And I was like, I am not playing. And so we go out onto the lawn. And the lawn over, like the lawn has a hill. And if you look straight ahead, you can see into the top floor of the library. Okay. Uh-huh. So as I'm running away uh-huh. to get back to the dorm, I turn around to look. And there is a figure walking across the window walking across the window and i'm like i am so sorry that i told you to stop throwing the damn book you throw the books all you want i'm not in there anymore <laughs> i never to this day went back up that floor wow i stayed on the bottom floor right in front of the librarian mm-hmm. and made sure everybody see me because i was like i'm never gonna be alone in here ever again so to all those people who like can study in a very small <laughs> library or in a quiet like nook of a library and not be scared, like more power to you. But if there's a spirit like throwing books and stuff mm, out. So just done. remember <clears throat> that was just a person. There's still a person and they're still being playful. It's just they? because they, they don't have their body anymore and you can't necessarily see them. Um, They don't have the ability to um manifest themselves in a f- visible way. They're still just people. Doing silly things. Yeah. It just really They're probably wanted right. to communicate. I had a really weird one, and I don't really have time for this on this episode. But speaking of, like, uh, weird noises, do you know what it sounds like when clothes... Wait, like, let's say you have, like, 20 pieces of clothes on hangers, 20 items, and then you push that, like, 20 hangers down the bar, down the closet bar. And it makes that weird noise? It makes that weird noise. So it pushes one way and then it pushes again the other way. I was upstairs in my living room and it was one of the bedrooms and there's three bedrooms on the second floor. And in one of the closets, I heard this noise. Nobody's home. It's just me. 
Me and my dogs. Were they looking looking through your closet or what? I don't know. But I so I I went to go look, you know, to see if I could see any clothes disturbed, you know, like the closet, a miss, you know, array or something like that messed up. Um, I couldn't see find any evidence of this. So I go back to the living room. I sit down. And then it starts again. And it's it's not a quiet sound. It's echoing through my house. It's just because the living room is right there and then the bedrooms. And it's just this clothes, like a whole lot of clothes, hangers, moving wow. back and forth on the closet rod. So I go into meditation and I start asking questions. And I'm just like, okay, you have my attention. What is it that you want to tell me? And in meditation, I got a message from my grandmother um, and my grandfather, who were divorced in life, both came through saying that um, one of my, I said my uncle, um, there's something wrong with him. And um, they said something about cancer. And so I immediately, my parents, um, when they came home, I said, hey, your parents, so I'm like, dad, to my dad, your your parents came through and they wanted to say, insistently say some, you need to talk to your, your brother. He has to go to the doctors or something and get a checkup. And um, I don't know, something about cancer. So my dad does call. He calls his brother mm-hmm. and he says, um, he relays my story and he's kind of joking about it. And um, then my uncle says, um, actually, something was wrong and he's he's going to be OK. But um, his wife, my auntie, had the cancer sh- um, that she had been fighting and thought was in remission completely uh, came back. And oh. it was going to be really um, it was really serious this time. So um, they both got checked out but they were both very grateful for the message and they appreciated it yeah. they they actually believe in seeing through the veil and being able to communicate with your loved ones who've passed even though you know we can't see them anymore yeah our spirit spirits tend to look out for us mm-hmm. i feel like you know like our ancestors and stuff they are looking out for us every time and i i believe in that quite a bit it's nice when they can get a message, but I really didn't want to hear it. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to do my yeah. own thing. And I was like, I'm busy. But they were the noise was so odd and so loud that it was like, OK, I'm going to go into meditation. OK, I'll talk to you. What do you want? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I think, you know, sometimes we got to listen to those messages anyway, even though if it's like a not a not a great like message Mm -hmm. but sometimes we have to listen well i have like another personal experience one but i didn't actually witness this my mom told me one time she said their house in new jersey they used to live at they had a weeping willow in front of it and uh, when they moved in my dad was having a hard time sleeping and my dad feels like he had he he's told me like several times he has like a sixth sense and um he said I had a hard time sleeping for the first few months that we were there because I kept hearing a woman crying mm-hmm. every night. And my mom didn't hear any of that. And she was, she's telling me this story and she goes, yeah, my brother would wake up sometimes 
for no reason at all. And um, my dad finally one day, he went outside and screamed at the weeping willow. And he said in Chinese, like, get out of here. Like, move on. I can't sleep. You're waking up my kid. You know, like, just go. You know, we don't want you here. You need to move on. Just figure it out. And my mom said my brother never woke up in the middle of the night again. And my dad was sleeping soundly. So I asked my dad about it. And he was like, oh, yeah, there was a woman with long hair under the under the willow tree. And she was in a tattered, like, dress because mm-hmm. she was murdered there mm-hmm. under the tree. And he was like, you know, I let her cry for a while. But after... After a bit of time when I couldn't sleep, I just told her to move on. And she did. Because she realized that she was causing more harm than good. But it was very sad, though. It was like, that's really sad to hear that somebody was murdered under that tree. And um, he did he did say that she never came back, but he did see her every night mm-hmm. sitting under the tree crying. Because she never got to live her life. Yeah. And he felt bad, but at the same time, he was like, we, you know, leave it for the living. Like, we... Still have to wake up and go to work and stuff. So it wasn't like a scary thing, but I believe it because like when my grandfather passed away, um, I remember all the family staying over and I was sleeping in the living room in my house. And we have two really big bay windows uh, in the living room that are not covered by, um, well, they're partially covered by drapes, Mm -hmm. but they're in a weird, unique shape that at the top, they're not covered. And I remember laying there. My grandfather had just passed. We were all really sad. And the funeral was the next day. And our motion light kept going off outside. Mm. So the light kept coming on, turning off, turning on, turning off. And I woke up like several times. And my dad actually came out of his bedroom. And he was like, you know, grandpa's here or he is here. Don't be scared. Like I can hear him and I can see him outside and he's just walking around you know like he normally did he used to like walk up and down the driveway like that old man walk with his hands behind his back <laughs> yeah and he had planted the magnolia tree that's still in front of my parents house mm. and so he liked to walk around it because he planted when it was tiny mm-hmm. and now it's like this massive magnolia tree and so my dad was like don't worry he's just walking up and down and he's just here with the family and I went back to sleep. The next day we went to his funeral and we're standing there and it's cloudy. Mm Kind of yucky, typical Houston weather, just muggy, ugly. And then right at the end of the funeral, the clouds like part right on his grave Mm -hmm. is like this ray of light. And my, my grandmother, she's like 96 at the time. She was like, you know, your grandfather's going. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to join him soon. And she didn't, she passed away not too long after. I mean, they, they, God, they were married for like, what, 70 some years. Wow. So really long time. And, uh, yeah, I just remember that. And, and it made me feel good to know. Sorry. Take your time. It made me feel good to know. I can't finish this sentence. It made me feel good to know that, you know, good people do go to heaven and God embraces them. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was nice to see it. 
And uh, like this past weekend, you know, we celebrated the Congressional Gold Medal Award to Chinese Americans who fought in World War II. And there were Chinese Americans who fought on land, air, and sea. Mm -hmm. So very famous, the Flying Tigers, just like the Tuskegee. It's the Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah. And uh, so same, you know, like just there's all there's like untold stories of different races and people coming together as Americans to fight for a country. Now, actually, they said the majority of the Chinese Americans who fought in World War Two were not actually citizens of the United States. They volunteered to fight for a country that they technically were not citizens of. And, um, and I also heard that, you know, the Philippines played a very important role during World War II because it, it was like a base for American naval operations in Asia. Mm-hmm. And General MacArthur had promised, he promised the individuals who fought in the Philippines citizenship so all the filipinos who fought in world war ii were going to get citizenship from the united states and in fact congress two years after world war ii redacted that promise oh and they were not awarded that so i learned a lot um this weekend about like chinese americans there there is still a gentleman you know who fought in World War II, mm-hmm. he's still alive. And he was there. And um, he was telling us all about, like, how hard it was. He fought in many wars. Mm-hmm. He's quite old. He's over 100 now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he was like, I'm just like your grandfather. I lied about my age to go fight. So my grandfather lied and said he was 17, but he was actually 16. Mm-hmm. And he joined the Marines. And there were not a lot of Chinese Americans who joined the Marines. Because the Marines is tough. Yeah. Right? Still tough, you know. And uh, we have a list of, like, all the islands that he went to. So he's, he was on Iwo Jima. He was, you know, doing all those, really storming the beaches and stuff. That was really tough. And we, so President Trump did sign, an, an, you know, a congressional order or act or, I think it's like an order, that, Chinese Americans should be awarded this coin. And another f- fact was that there were a lot of Chinese American women mm. who also fought in the war, but they mostly took on roles as nurses. And so on the coin, on this coin that we got, and maybe I'll, I'll shoot you a picture you can put it up, mm-hmm. there is a woman on there. And it is the only award for any... Uh, war that America's been in that recognizes a woman. Oh, wow. Except separate from the all-woman Air Corps, which actually had Chinese-Americans pilots. The women were pilots. So that's separate, right? Yeah. But on the coin itself and the the thing, they honored uh, women. So I thought that was really cool. And I cried. My uh, My niece was sitting next to me, and they were talking about it. And uh, she kept looking at me. She was like, <laughs> her eyes got real big because I was, I was, I was really crying because um, I have such pride. And uh, that was one of the reasons why I had joined the military is because 
my family has a rich history in the military and I felt like it was my duty to carry on that tradition. <laughs> my niece held my hand because I was just <laughs> so emotional and uh, still am, but it was a really nice ceremony. And I think it did my grandfather and my mom justice, you know, it was nice to uh, see them get recognition for their sacrifice. And wasn't your grandmother a nurse? Uh, yeah, so on the uh, my dad's side, my grandfather was a general in the Air Force, and then a nurse, and my grandmother was a nurse. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> you did it. You got through it. Yeah, that was tough. It was a little tough there, my. I feel like they were there around you. They were probably there with you for the ceremony, and uh, they're probably still hanging out. Especially if yeah. you talk about them. I mean, that's when your family come around yeah, rem- is when you talk about them. Yeah, they they do. I I need them. They're not gone. Now more than ever. They're not gone. No. Neither are I your pets, to- by the way. <laughs> I have oh. I have a couple um, little dogs that have passed. And um, I hear them still making patrols around my, down the hallway and around the house. And I'll call their names. They'll come. I'll hear them like they're coming. And then they stop. And then the sound stops. Isn't that funny? What do they do? They, they just, just like patrol just, around. You can hear them like jingle or something. I hear, <laughs> I hear their, their claws on my, my hard floors. That's weird. Okay. That's a little weird. Like I wouldn't be okay. Like if Cheeto passed, I would not be okay hearing his little bell running around my house. But he might. He might. I when you talk about past He's animals, uh, animals that you loved, and they they still watch over you. They still watch over you, yeah. and they they're just checking things out. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I, I'll I'll roll with it. I mean, you don't really want like, them I, to I be definitely so far to gone. Me. Yeah, they're still they're still watching. I know that. Um, Ever since I was a kid. Okay, so here's a cool thing that I didn't mention. So when you astral project, you come out of your body, you walk around with your spirit body, and you can go anywhere you want in the world, anywhere. But um, there are other things. So if you ever hear about people who they go on these um, ayahuasca trips <laughs> or DMT experiences no. or other no. hallucinogenic um, experiences, um, sometimes, though, there are other beings in this astral world, astral realm, I guess. I don't know. And that astral world. Yeah. <laughs> astral world. No. It's a theme park. But sometimes I've been followed. I've been followed by a lot of dark shadow things. And I was thinking, I was all the when I told the last story about the mini huni, I only used to see them when I was a kid. I think they used to like protect me or I felt safe because they were they were little. I was little and I felt like they they protected me. And uh, a few times um, I would see this dark shadow and I would be running around or flying away from it all the time because it would chase me. Yeah, that's kind of a scary thing. Um, But just so you know that there are other things they they really didn't ever harm me. They never really got close enough, but I was always able to just kind of fly away, go away. I don't know. Huh. But I don't want to discourage anybody from wanting to go and 
see the astral plane because there's some really cool stuff there. There's wonderful Have you- beings and entities on the other side that you can talk to and get information from. Uh, we all have free will to go over there and check things out. Um, it's yep. uh, there are some really cool things like there's the Akashic Records, which is very famous. It's this vast library and you can go there. Um, it's actually a really great meeting place to see. It's like all the information ever f- throughout the universe. That's just one place to go. I oh. always end up someplace where. Like I always try to, I always go to these scenic places when I go astral projecting. I go to. I'm glad like, you have like a pleasant experience when you're doing these things. Well, there has to be, be a plus side. It can. I mean, it just depends on your mindset going into it. So if you set the intention, yeah, I always set the intention. If you set the intention that you're going to have this good experience and you're going to go places um, that you want to go to. It, it's always pretty nice. When I was a kid, I didn't really have um, as much of an intention because I really just didn't know. I would just literally go out and play. And I just, anything was better than having to go to bed early. or <laughs> to, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just glad that I had friends that I could go play with. Anyway, so this is kind of like one of those reasons why I don't like to go to cemeteries or places where I know there's a lot of potential spirits that are lingering around. Usually people who are spirits who are lingering, they're not the happy ones that have had a good life and are ready to move on. The people that are lingering Mm. often are, uh, they're confused about their death. They don't know they're dead or they're angry. They have some kind of emotion that's keeping them here. And I'm not a psychiatrist able to help them. And I don't want to attract them or have them follow me home. Right. Definitely don't want that. Mm-mm. Okay. My scary story. So um, I already talked about in our Hawaii Scariest Stories episode about King Kamehameha I and his defeat of the Oahu army at um the Pali, the cliffs at the Pali, which we know today as the Pali Lookout. Very popular tourist attraction. Um, but also, of course, really haunted because of that big battle. When they constructed the old Pali Road, which um, is actually the hike now that's a decaying highway, very dangerous. There are warning signs to not go hiking on it, but everybody crosses through the fence and um, still goes. But when they were constructing that, um, they found 800 skulls at the base of the cliff. So the Pali Lookout, not only popular with tourists... It's also popular with, um, like I, as a kid, had to go there for school field trips, but it's kind of a Hawaiian history lesson. Um, As a hula dancer, the Pali, that section, the Pali lookout, because we can get to it so easily with our car, you just drive up, park, and then you can get to the mountain. Uh, There's a lot of native plants up there. So hula dancers, um, not only do we connect with the sacredness of that space but we also research and look for native plants especially when we're doing like our skirt designs or um you know your costumes and or you're just trying to gather the plants themselves when you go uh, it is kind of funny when you walk to the edge 
the wind that comes up against the cliff and then blows straight up at you, you'll see like all these, you know, you know, 50, 60 people along huddled along the cliff and everybody with long hair, it's standing straight up on end because the wind is so strong. Um, The Pali lookout is now closed at night. They have um, police that come and they close the gate. Uh, And it's, I think they close it at six o'clock. I don't know why, but as a teenager, I, it would be like a stop that we would make from Waikiki. So if we went to Waikiki, um, we would sometimes just drive to the Pali lookout. We'd park our car. We'd all go, I don't know. It would be a, a moment to like catch your breath or sometimes change vehicles. Usually you've gone with your friends in, in multiple cars to Waikiki. And so sometimes people would like, oh, I'm only going to go here. And then you get yourself sorted and then you continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very weird. Mostly the times that I've been there at night, um, there is a creepy factor and the wind sometimes stops. Like there's no wind. And it's hard to imagine the Pali Cliffs without wind. <laughs> and there is, um, it's famously um, visited by our goddess Pele, who often is reported to um, hitchhike or she's asked for help or ride. So all people in Hawaii know that if you see goddess Pele, um, you see a, a woman wearing white and she can appear young or she can appear very old or anywhere in between. Um, and you offer her a ride. If you don't, mm. bad things will happen to you. So there is a actually recorded story from a HPD officer who had an experience. She had to go up there and lock the gates at night. And um, she saw a woman in white up there and she said, ma'am, you, you can't be up here. I'm going to close the gates. Can I offer you assistance? And um, as soon as she said that, she said that the woman disappeared from her view and appeared in the backseat of her car and she saw her in her rearview mirror. So I guess that was her giving the permission. She said that she just started talking to the woman and she said, I have to go close the other gate. So we're going to drive to the other side. And so she did. She got to the other gate. She got out of her car, locked the gate, went back in her car and the woman was still there. So, and she says, I can't take you to the windward side of the island. Um, That's, it wasn't her district where she worked. So she said she's just going to turn around and she's going to head to town, but she'd like, she wants her to be safe. So she's going to take her back to her station, I guess, or somewhere town. But she said when she turned around in the tunnels to go back up into Honolulu, she said as she was driving through the tunnel, she felt this overwhelming sense of peacefulness. And then she looked in the rearview mirror and the woman was gone. Wow. So that was kind of like a nice ghost. That was a nice, a nice um, supposed interaction with goddess Pele. And that wasn't that long ago. And she actually did an HPD report. But just like I said, um, Hawaii legends, they're talked about so often that you know, they're given energy to like be alive on their own. And it's yeah. kind of a 
scary thing when you interact with that kind of energy. But I'm glad that she had, I mean, she was scared. <laughs> I think I would have peed my pants if I had yeah. seen her. Um, I, hey. But um, because we're talking about um, Pele and um, the goddess Pele and the Pele lookout, uh, famously, um, the, another story is that you cannot take pork products um, from the windward side up over to the east side. Yeah, I thought that was really weird because I feel like I've done that before. It seems to be a lot more ominous during not at you know in the nighttime, less so during the day. But um, I have known people's cars who have stopped, stopped working, just because they did that. The story is that Goddess Pele um, had an affair with this um, other demigod. His name was Kamapua'a. And he could turn himself, he, he was a man who could turn himself into a pig. He could also turn himself into a fish, specifically our state fish, which is the humuhumu nukunukuapua'a, which apparently is a very thick-skinned mm. fish. And supposedly it grunted and like a pig. I don't know of fish making noise, but supposedly that one does. I think I have heard them make noises underneath the ocean, though. Like, I think I've heard them grunt. So, before. so I kind of believe it. Like, yeah. So you're also not supposed to bring the humuhumunukunukuapua'a fish, also from the windward side. You know, it's supposed to be to the leeward That's side, funny. but technically the pulley just goes to the east side to Honolulu. Um, so when they um, their relationship ended, uh, she they have this like boundary line that says you're not allowed to Kamupua'a is not allowed to go to her side of the island he has to stay on his side of the island and um no representation of him can pass and people's cars will stop working on the pulley lookout I mean, as you're going up over the pulley um that's so weird other scary things happens like uh sometimes like there's another recorded report from a taxi driver who picked up a guy um, who was slightly drunk and left a, like a spam musubi or a pork a ham sandwich in the back of her car. And she had like a near death experience where her foot, the gas pedal, something she felt like this energy push her foot down on the gas pedal. And she, if you know the poly lookout, it's kind of got twists and turns if she's going downhill yep. <laughs> and it can be very scary, but she said she was coming up to a, a turn and she couldn't, she couldn't um, get free. She couldn't even turn the wheel and she was only going straight. And uh, finally at the very last minute, it let her go and she was able to stop the brake. She jumped out of the car. She was panicked. She, I think she was even on the radio with her dispatcher and some other person. So they were hearing her, or she called them or something and she had the whole moment. They had to, I don't remember her getting back in the car. I think somebody had to come and get her. She just refused to get back Oof. into her own car. Yeah, I, I would totally refuse to get in the <laughs> car too because this is so scary. But then when she found the ham sandwich in the back, she was like. Shit, I did it to myself. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It was from the other guy. She goes, I'm going to kill him for doing that to her <laughs> her last fair the ham sammy yeah um there are other people who they think it's funny to go test this theory a lot of people um they have a ghost tour they ah uh, they every time they go and they pick up like uh spam musubis at 7-eleven which are very good by the way 
They're kind of famously good in Hawaii. Yeah. So if you're love spam to be looking for a place to just go buy one, 7-Eleven in Hawaii. Our 7-Elevens in Hawaii, by the way, are very similar. Not as good as the ones in Japan. But in Japan, they are a big deal. 7-Eleven is a big deal in Japan. But anyway. Um, they would pick up spam musubis and they would walk to the boundary line of the windward side on the, they would be at the poly lookout and they would walk until they could feel it. And there's like this kind of chill that goes up your back <laughs> and you, they say, you can put it down there on the ground. They try to, um, start the, the bus or something. And I guess it doesn't start all the time. So then they Jeez, my... say, everybody has to, if you have something. That's like that. You need to get That's rid of it pork. right now. Anyway, people do that to scare themselves. It's crazy. I think I've come I've come over the poly with several um, pork products in my life. During the day? Especially from like Nico's and from Costco. Yeah, mostly during the day. No, that's going the other way. I never went out really. You were going the other never... way. It's fine to go the other way. You're allowed to go through. What? You can go from town side to the windward side. With your pork products. Oh, you just can't go the other way? You just way? can't go up over the other way. And that's when you're going to start to get into problems. That seems odd, doesn't it? I used to work at my job in town. It was, uh, I had to be there at 4 a.m. So I would be on the road. I would be driving up the bully <laughs> and it was dark. This was before they put in the, um, the light poles that light up the mm-hmm. entire highway. But it's a two-lane road in both directions. And it would be bright, you know, coming up from the windward side. But as soon as I would go through the tunnels and you come out into the forest, the tropical rainforest, and the trees are like 50 feet tall and they're just alongside the whole road, it becomes very scary. And I used to pray. It is kind of scary. I used to pray every time I would pop out of those tunnels and be just like, I mean, no disrespect, Please let me go through. Don't kill me. You know, like I just want to make Please it. help my car to get all the way through. I, I promise I don't oh have anything. God. Now, sometimes it would just hit you with this really weird, eerie feeling, especially at 3.30 in the morning. Um, it would scare me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and I would. I would I would pray as I was A lot of people don't know over. that the H3 is like super haunted. I don't feel as scared on the H3. I think it's because there is the... Um, the petroglyph of the the Hawaiian petroglyph of the owl eyes over there. Yeah. So I always feel like that's one of my amakuas. Somebody's watching you. <laughs> so I always feel safe. I always identify with the the owls. I have a lot of family amakuas. So I, the the beautiful white pueo, the owls, and then the oh, uh, the, pretty. the sharks, shark god, and uh, yeah. the turtles. Those are the ones that I know of. Shark god. Isn't that Maui? Isn't he a shark? I don't know if it was Maui. <laughs> it was a big Ooh. shark. It was the biggest shark I've ever seen in my life. Oh, that was so scary when you told me that story. I was like, no, I will never experience that ever. So that hopefully. was on our episode, um, Meeting a Hawaiian Shark God, Stories from the Sandbar. Yep. You can go and listen check to it that out. podcast. You want to check it out. Yes. Okay. Happy October. We're halfway through. Very excited. Thanks for joining us for another episode of My Ties at Sunset. Be sure to check us out at MyTiesAtSunset.com, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and anywhere else you listen to your favorite podcast. Oh, I forgot. We have a full 
extra bonus episode that is on Patreon. So if you'd like to hear it, it's um, all the extras from our last recording. It's about 40 minutes long. It's it turned out to be a whole podcast of its own, but I'm just going to keep it there. Um, so for now, so if you'd like to listen to it, please um, join us on Patreon. You can subscribe for as little yep. as five dollars. We'd love to have you. It's a cup of coffee. Buy us a cup of coffee. <laughs> Technically, five dollars. We're sharing it. Ty. <laughs> and um, it will literally buy us a cup of coffee. That's it. Thank you again. Uh, I'm sorry. And <laughs> thank you, Mike, for sharing all your stories. Happy October. Happy October. And until we meet again, ahui ho.